Sunday. It's lovely to be back with you and good to be able to see you all and share with you in fellowship. Pray that the Lord will bless us as we gather together and uh, study His Word. Going to be looking at the subject, faith is, faith is. And uh, we turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, and we read, well, verse 32, sorry, verse 32, and we read through into Hebrews 11, verse 3. Hebrews 10, 32. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That's the introduction into this 11th chapter of Hebrews, and it's a a, a remarkable chapter, a marvelous chapter, and it's called by many different names. Uh, Sometimes it's called the Faith Chapter, or the Saints Hall of Fame, or the Westminster Abbey of Scripture, because as we look at Hebrews chapter 11, we see the names of some of the, the giants, the spiritual giants of faith, whose lives are a challenge and an inspiration to us. We went to Westminster Abbey oh, a good number of years ago. We went to Poets Corner and all the rest of it, and we saw all the people who were commemorated there. It was a very interesting experience but it was hardly life-transforming. I enjoy visiting museums, and we've got marvelous museums in Scotland. I particularly in in Glasgow enjoy the Transport Museum. Great to see. And I love going to visit there and see all the exhibits, all the cars and the the buses, the trams and the uh, the trains and so forth. And it's great, but it's hardly 
life-transforming as an experience. In fact, as you look at all these exhibits there in that museum, they're wonderful, but they're not doing what they were made to do. The cars are not running, the trains aren't pulling carriages, the trams aren't carrying passengers, they're all just sitting there as exhibits. In Edinburgh, I like to go to the Museum of Childhood. I'm an embarrassment to my wife in the Museum of Childhood because I see lots of toys in the cases there that are very familiar. And I used to have some of them. I'd say, oh, look, there's, you know, and it's a great experience. But it's hardly life-transforming, you know? All of these things that Dolls that, girls, that were made for girls to play with, nobody plays with them anymore. Games for kids to play, nobody plays with them anymore. Uh, they're just exhibits in a case. But when we come to Hebrews chapter 11 and to the great inspiring heroes of faith, Simply to come to this chapter is to have a life-transforming experience because this is no museum and these are not people set in cases. These were living flesh and blood people who, have been, who are part of the honor roll of faith. Dr. R.T. Kendall says this, Hebrews 11 is not a museum but a living experience and fellowship. And he says, this is what it tells us, we may serve the same God, we can do the same things that they did. And so, any time that we're feeling low, any time when we feel that our faith is shaky or faltering, we should come to Hebrews 11, visit this great chapter and allow our lives to be inspired and lifted up by the examples that we see in this great passage. Our faith, as we come to it and read Hebrews 11, ought to be stronger, our commitment deeper, our testimony brighter as a result of the examples of these great men and women of faith. And at the end of Hebrews 11, actually, see, there's no chapters and verses in the original manuscripts. It all just rolls on. And it rolls on from Hebrews 11 into Hebrews 12 to the climax of what the writer is trying to say in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And that's what God is wanting to encourage you to do and to inspire you to do today, as is to run that race, to exercise the faith of these people whose names are in the honor role of faith. Now, a wee bit of background to the book of Hebrews is helpful uh, when we think about this subject of faith is. And by the way, that's just the first two words in Hebrews 11, chapter 1, which is the theme of the message. Faith is. A wee bit background. The Hebrews was a letter that was written to Jewish Christians, and they were 
greatly discouraged and confused at the point that the letter was written because of large-scale defections from their faith. Some of their friends had turned away from the faith, and they were no longer following Jesus. They had gone back into the world. For some of them, it had been a slow drift from faith back into the ways of their previous life in the world. And we need to be careful. We need to examine our own hearts and see whether uh, we're in the right place, in the place that we should be in our relationship with God or, and God's people, or whether we are perhaps on a slow drift away from the Lord and away from the Lord's people and back into the world and to the life before. Uh, and they were really discouraged because a lot of their friends, that's was what was happening to them. Some of them were drifting uh, 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 slowly but inexorably back into the world. For others, it was a conscious and a deliberate renunciation of their Christian commitment. They threw it all overboard. They spoke out against it. They were uh, virulent in their condemnation of the church and the gospel and so forth, uh, and they wholeheartedly embraced the old pagan ways. For the Jewish ones amongst them, some of them it was a drift back into Judaism, away from grace and back to law, away from the freedom that the gospel gives, freedom in Christ, back into the bondage of having to go through all the various rituals and observances in order to lead an acceptable life. And, um, you know, it was very discouraging for many of these uh, people, these Christian believers who were seeking to be faithful, to see folks who had been their friends drifting back into the world or drifting back into legalism, back into Judaism. I, I'm sure for you here, you can think of people who used to worship here. And it's not that they're not in Airdrie anymore. It's not that you don't see them around or bump into them. But it, it, it's painful to think that these folks who once loved and served the Lord have drifted away and they're no longer part of God's people. It's a painful thing. It's a sad thing. Hebrews 6, 4-6, the writer says this, It is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It's impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. These are strong words. These are difficult words for us to hear. Very hard words for us to hear. They reflect the words of Jesus himself back in Luke 9.62, where he says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You see, there are sometimes some hard things that we have to hear. 
in connection with the gospel. But they're truthful things, and they're things that we need to recognize, we need to understand. They are warnings to help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to remain faithful to walking uh, in uh, the pathway of faith and following Him. But the strains and the stresses that had been caused to the Hebrew Christians by those who had defected back to the world or back to Judaism was causing great pain and struggle for those who remained. And so the writer says in Hebrews 2.1, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift from it. What makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation? Don't, don't think you are immune to these things. Don't think that that could never happen to you. We need to be on our spiritual guard all the time to make sure that in our lives and in our relationship with Jesus, we are where we should be. And so in Hebrews 10.23, he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. The saints of God have always need to be encouraged by, in their faith in times of difficulty and opposition. And when disappointments come our way and when the pressure is on, we need to be encouraged, we need to be inspired. And so he says in Hebrews 10, 35 to 36, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will. Well, let me ask you, are you living by faith today? Are you walking by faith? Is your life and relationship with the Lord what it ought to be? Or are you slowly drifting away from the Lord? Please take great care. Faith is something we need to exercise, and it needs to be exercised every day. What is this faith? Surely something more than just the kind of faith that if you jump on a bus, it'll take you to your destination, or if you take the medicine the doctor has prescribed, it'll do you good and not harm. It has to be more than that kind of faith. That's natural faith. But what is spiritual faith? Spiritual faith is the supernatural faith that comes to us as a gift from God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So, in this subject, faith is. What is faith? Faith is believing in the reality of God. George Bernard Shaw didn't understand the difference between natural faith and biblical saving faith. 
But he makes a point when he says this. We have not lost faith, but we have transferred it from God to the medical profession. Man wants to have faith in someone or something bigger than himself. And so to that extent, George Bernard Shaw was right. And if, from your perspective, three score years and ten is all there is to life, then you have to put your faith in medical science to keep you alive and keep you going so you can make the best of that while you're here. But is that all that faith is? Others put their faith in counterfeit religions, in humanism, in socialism, in consumerism, in hedonism. People have to put their faith in something. There's very few people whose faith actually is atheism, I think. And that may seem to be a contradiction in terms, whose faith is atheism. We We bit like the person who said, I'm an atheist, thank God. But you see, man has been created to function on the basis of faith. And we need to place our faith in something or someone. And of course, the Christian puts his faith in the God who created the universe, the God who created us, in the Jesus who came to this world and died on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven. Our faith is rooted in Him. And so Hebrews 11.6 says, anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Faith that saves is faith that is rooted and fixed in the God who created the universe and who loves us and who cares for us. It's faith in the one we cannot see, no eye has seen, but who has left clear evidence of His real and living presence. Faith is not, as one little girl imagined it, trying to believe what you know isn't true. That's what she thought faith was. Trying to believe what you know isn't true. No, no. Faith must believe that God exists, Hebrews 11.6. In 1 Peter 1.18, Peter the apostle says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy, the reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. Faith is believing in the reality of God. And faith is also trusting in the promises of God. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. 2 Peter 1.4, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Great 
and precious promises. God's promise the forgiveness of sins to everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ for salvation. Ephesians 1.7, He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He's promised new life to those who put their faith in Christ. Anyone who belongs to Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. He has promised eternal life to everyone who receives Christ as their Savior. He gave His one and only Son, John 3.16, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. What a great promise that is. He's promised a place in His family to those who give their lives to Jesus, to all who believed Him, John 1.12, and accepted Him. He gave the right to become children of God, place in the family of God, and He's given the promise of heaven to the Christian. There is more than enough room in my Father's home, said Jesus. I am going to prepare a place for you. And these are all promises that we can receive in the here and now, though some of those promises will only be experienced in all their greatness in the there and then. But we receive them in the here and now, and none more so than the promise of Christ's presence, where Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's always with us. What great promises. These are the great and precious promises God has given us. And faith is trusting in these promises. Faith is being sure that God will keep His Word. You don't have to be a spiritual expert or a clever theologian to trust in these promises. Hudson Taylor said this, All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on His being with them. They counted on God's faithfulness. And if we depend on God's faithfulness and trust in God's promises, we too can live the life of faith and walk the walk of faith. Faith is believing in the reality of God. Faith is trusting in the promises of God. Faith is depending on the Word of God. It's taking God's Word as truth and putting it into practice in our everyday lives. It's more than just giving intellectual assent to what God says in His Word. It's staking all of your life, all of your ministry, all of your hopes and dreams and desires and aspirations on the fact that this is truth, and this is dependable. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And the great heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 took God at His word, and they laid their lives on the line, believing the truth of God's word. That's faith. The story is told of Blondin, the great performer who, who crossed the tightrope suspended over Niagara Falls in Canada to the other side, 
to amazement and delight of the spectators. Uh, and uh, when he came back after having gone across it, he then turned to the crowds and said, now do you believe that I can cross in Niagara Falls with someone in this wheelbarrow? Yes, they said. Yes, we believe it. Then he said, I'm looking for a volunteer. And no one stepped forward. I'm not surprised. <laughs> no. We are challenged not only to believe, but to have faith. A faith that depends on God's Word being true, that's willing to stake everything on His Word, and that results in a trusting walk of faith through life. Dr. R.T. Kendall, he said this, the marvel of faith is that it derives its strength from believing God without the evidence of things seen, but produces works that are clearly visible to anyone who cares to observe. You can tell when someone's walking by faith, or whether they're walking by sight. If we're walking by faith, then works of faith flow from our lives. Faith in God, as the old saying says, sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. The confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith is believing in the reality of God. Faith is trusting in the promises of God. Faith is depending on the Word of God, and faith is winning the approval of God. Hebrews 11 and verse 2, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. The great heroes of faith lived out their lives believing in the reality of God, trusting in the promises He made, and depending on His Word. And because of that, God's seal of approval was on their lives. They were not perfect men and women, but they were God's men and women, and their lives brought pleasure to God's heart. Those who are exercising trusting faith in the living Christ, believing in God, trusting in the promises, relying on the Word, these are not perfect people, but they are God's people, and they bring pleasure to God's heart. John Newton, the author of that great hymn, Amazing Grace, said this, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I would like to be, and I'm not what I hope to be. But I'm not what I was, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. If our lives are characterized by true biblical faith, then we'll gain the approval of God. Paul knew he wasn't perfect. Paul described himself as the chief of sinners, but he said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of His return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all 
who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Faith is. I pray that faith is burning brightly on the altar of your hearts and lives this morning. Faith is believing in the reality of God. Faith is trusting in the promises of God. Faith is depending on the Word of God, and faith is winning the approval of God. Even although the world pours scorn upon us, even though people desert, faith keeps its eyes fixed on Jesus. And so, the writer to Hebrews says this, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that He has promised. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Let's bow in prayer. Father, help us to be people of true biblical faith. Help us, even though others may desert, even although others may wander back to the world, help us to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful as we follow Him and seek to serve Him. Help us, Heavenly Father, to have that true faith that is seen in all the saints of old whose lives inspire us. Give us that faith, we pray, to believe God is and to trust in His promises and to follow Him faithfully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.